Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay. As we bring you season 13 of Album for the Day, we come to you after one year of episodes. We did not have an episode on June the 30th of last year, but mm-hmm. every other day we did. So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think that we've, we've definitely got a hold of something and knowledge is power and, uh, I have filled my cup this year. (laughs) So we're bringing you, uh, a second edition of, uh, what we consider our choice cuts, greatest hits, uh, our favorite episodes after one year, after the entire year, going back and looking at everything that we've done was really kind of cool um, learning about a lot of different genres of music, people I wouldn't normally listen to, um, albums I wouldn't normally listen to, you know, and it, it, it was just, it was really cool to go through that list. It was and, an easy way to step outside the box a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. And uh, I I really enjoyed uh, every, every episode, man. Yeah. Won't say I enjoyed every album. I, I think we established not. that. <laughs> I definitely did not. But these are, again, not necessarily what we would consider the greatest albums that we covered in a year, but our favorite episodes. So enjoy. And we start off June 1st, season 13, with a huge recollection of The Who, mm. since we have certainly recalled it over the year. Um. We have two separate episodes on face dances. We Mm -hmm. did one in conjunction with uh, Record Store Day Mm -hmm. last June, almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. And then we did it again under uh, albums that impacted your music experience heavily. And it's still to this day. It's relevant in both cases. I love the fact that the face dances is one of the... like. It's like an undercard album for the Who too. It's mm-hmm. not like Who's mm-hmm. Next, Quadrophenia, Tommy ever names that in the top. Yeah, n- they never do, and I think that's why I love doing that episode or those episodes the most because still to this day, great record holds up. It's solid. and dude, I just listened to both of them, and they're so different. <laughs> they're so different. Yeah, obviously we cover you know some basic stuff more than once there, but. Yeah. It's almost like a part one and a part two. Oh, yeah. Love and it. we also did live at the Isle of Wight Festival 1970 mm. on uh, August the 12th. And we also did the Who by Numbers right before the end of the year on December the 30th. Yeah. Clearly, we like the Who. Who? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those British guys. <laughs> those guys over there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best bands. One of the best you know rhythm sections. Yeah. What's that? We didn't even do Who's Next. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you know that's your favorite. That's definitely my favorite. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. Who's Next and Who Are You. Yeah. Those are the two big ones. Yep. And we didn't even do those. It's just great. I love that. It is. Yeah. They're our heroes for a reason. Mm, yeah. Seen them live multiple times, and they're still to this day, just they're worth it all. They're worth it all. Shaking it, man. Yeah. There's no empty glass there. Mm, I see that reference there. We're looking at you, Pete Townsend. <laughs> looking at you, Pete. Yeah. With your Chinese eyes. <laughs> awesome. Album for the day, April 15th. Happy tax day, you devils. Uh, today we do Face Dances by The Who. And it was 
the ninth studio album, and it was released March 16th of 1981, recorded from July to December of 1980 at Odyssey Studios in London. Producer Bill Simzik, who coincidentally produced the Eagles' comeback album, Long Road Through Eden. Hmm. Yeah, this is the first uh, first album after Keith Moon um, had passed. Um, and so uh, Kenny Jones took over for him. Um, and I think he did a really good job. Um, I, I, I thought, I mean, those he's... Those are big shoes to fill. Those are huge shoes to Very fill. Very strange shoes to fill. Iconic shoes to fill. Um, but Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, and John Entwistle, I mean, Entwistle is one of the greatest bass players of all time um, was able to lock it down as usual Pete wrote some great songs and Roger Daltrey sang like a crazy person uh, you know uh, it's this is this is one of those records that you're just like man that dude can freaking sing the thing that I love most not most one of the things I love about this album uh, the cover it's it's absolutely um it's just crazy. It's 16 different artists got together. British yeah, artists. Got together, and everyone did their own portrait of a different member of the band. They were given a photo to... to but they were commissioned by Peter Blake, who designed Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. Yeah. And the album cover is basically these paintings by these different artists all kind of put together... And it's just, it's incredible. I, I've spent a lot of time staring at the cover of this album going, man, that one's cool too. Man, that one's cool too. And, uh, yeah. And and also, when you start any album off with You Better You Bet, yeah, you're, yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, um, Don't Let Go of the Coat is another great song on here that I really love. It's fun. It's kind of sounds like um if you're if you like Pete Townsend's solo stuff, I can see this is kind of where he got a lot of his ideas from. It's like kind of where it, uh, it sounds like one of his solo kind of album songs. Um well, and we could get into Empty Glass. Yeah, and, that's that's you know, more specific Chinese what I was Cowboys thinking. if we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um this was in between both of those and had you know a lot of it, it's Pete's influence is the band. He's the songwriter for the band. And so um but Did You Steal My Money is another great song that shows the power of Roger Daltrey's voice. That's one that I'm like, woo. And it ends side one, so it's just like you end it like, oh, I can't wait to flip this record to see what's on it. Uh, John Entwistle actually got two songs on uh, on this album, The Quiet One and uh, You. Um, and both... You is great. Yeah, both are great, but I totally agree with you that You is... it's yeah, It makes the second side, in my opinion. So he actually wrote The Quiet One uh, so he wouldn't have to play My Wife anymore. And um, played the quiet one for 1981 and 1982, but uh, didn't play it again after that. And uh, they started playing My Wife again. Mm. Yeah, my, I think My Wife's... It's a far superior song. Yeah, in my in my opinion as well. Um, yeah, the, uh, 
the thing that I love, well, another one of those things I love about this record is just the how Pete Townsend plays. It's not that it's like an in in memoriam to Keith Moon, but you can hear kind of a sadness in this record that I don't feel in the other ones. The other albums had this power and like like oomph. And this it's almost one, like it's a little hollow. Yeah, it's like it feels just like kind of isolated from the other records. And it and after this record, it picks back up. Um, I just feel there's something unique and special about this record and the Who. Um, and the Who, the Who is one of my favorite. They're a top five band of mine for all time. Um, well, I think there's a weird dynamic, and uh, you know, we kind of danced around it there mm-hmm. with our faces, mm-hmm. but. Um, the the concept of you know Pete writes the songs at least you know most of the commercially successful ones whatever mm-hmm. and Keith is dead now mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure how we're gonna do this now mm-hmm. so I don't know if I want to give you know my hope diamond over. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this project, yeah, and how does Kenny Jones fit into this mix? You know, yeah, how how does you know how how are they going to tour together? How's he going to be on the road? How is what? How is this going to work? I, so I'm right there with you. You know, when you write the songs, like you're investing, mm-hmm. especially when you're part of a group, and you know, having a solo dynamic is is on the table. Um. It's something that you've got to you've got to weigh within yourself, and I think that we've we've been big enough fans of the Who, both of us together and separate, and you know followed what it is that they do and how they do it, and um, finding out you know the stories behind you know hearing Pete kind of second guessing. I kind of wish we'd have done this song or this song as mm-hmm. the Who instead of Just including me. it on mm-hmm. Chinese cowboys or something. Yeah, no, I, and and what what would the difference be in that song, giving it to the band rather than a solo project? Because then it's not cool to ask the band to play your solo mm-hmm. stuff that you deliberately excluded them from. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a whole weird dynamic. This is this kind of stands alone, really, mm-hmm. in the whole lexicon of, of The Who. Mm-hmm. It's very different, but very, very cool. Mm. Agreed. Uh, album for the day today, April 15th, is Face Dances by The Who. Uh, give us a follow, subscribe, wherever you listen to us. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at album the number four of the day. Uh, if you have any requests, shoot us an email at uh, album the number four of the day at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. I saw you on the telephone, a voice too rough for cigarettes. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Album for the day, June 11th, is The Who with Face Dances, which was recorded between July and December of 1980. I know a very crucial year for the two of us. Mm. Um, but it was recorded in Odyssey Studio in London. This is the 40th anniversary this year. And the record store day release is going to be released on blue vinyl side A and yellow vinyl side two. Well, there's two different LPs. So one is blue, and then they have like alternate takes and live recordings on the second disc. Oh, that's exciting! It's yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool release. The side four has got they're live at the rock. Rock Palace. Um, they've even got alternate takes with Pete doing vocals. It's it's going to well, be well. And the reason cool that that is interesting is because so Keith Moon died in 1978, mm-hmm. and this is the first Who album released after his death. The drumming was taken over by Kenny Jones who had previously played with the faces and the small faces, which is actually a delightful transition to the album cover, Mm -hmm. which I was just blown away to discover a little nugget about that. I know Jay's big on cover art and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, It features paintings of the members by a number of British painters who were commissioned by Peter Blake, who designed the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Very cool. I dig that. And I think that probably my favorite thing that I discovered was that the keyboards are being played by a man named John Rabbit Bundrick, who also worked with Eric Burden, Bob Marley and the Wailers, Roger Waters. He was also the principal musician in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. And like the Beatles, uh, Face Dances, um, as well as pretty much every Who album, I think, has, you know, instead of the George Harrison song or the Ringo song, Got has the Entwistle song. <laughs> the Entwistle song. And the Ox did uh, the Quiet one. I'm sure that's semi-autobiographical in its own way. Um, Discovered that that was actually written for the album to replace My Wife, another one of his songs being performed live. Mm -hmm. And they replaced it for 1981 and 1982 and then dumped it and went back to My Wife. Mm. Not My Actual Wife. The (laughs) The song, song, My Wife. (laughs) but it was it was an excellent opportunity to try something new and since they were trying a number of new things with a new drummer mm-hmm. and whatever that was a great way to sneak that in there mm-hmm. um i enjoyed finding out that pete later admitted that he saved all of the best songs from his first solo album empty glass and his second solo album all the best cowboys have chinese eyes 
and didn't give them the face dances or the who. Hmm. So I feel like that, you know, in this environment, this makes me think about the Tom Petty and the Wildflowers whole scenario where a lot more songs were and or could have been recorded but weren't used. Mm. And it makes me wonder if, you know, Daltrey had sang some of those songs on Empty Glass um, yeah, they, hmm, or All the Best Cowboys, mm-hmm. they uh, they could have a different feel altogether. And in fact, Pete has Face Dances Part 2 as a track on Empty Glass. So... Obviously, he wrote them both. Um, if you want, I guess, a sequel that came out before the <laughs> some first. Star, some Star Wars stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where do you think George Lucas got it from? Yeah, but like, when you start an album, when you start an album with You Better You Bet, I mean, that's you know it's going to be a rock-solid album. It's one of those, that's one of those songs that the, the first time the needle drops on that record... And it, and it starts with that do 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 do, and it's just like ooh, it's it's got me, it's got me. That you know got immediately me. that this is a who song. Oh yeah. You know immediately that this stands up to the best they've ever put out. Yeah. And they still perform it to this day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know they've got hundreds of songs. The yeah. fact that. You know, the fans still love You Better You Bet Mm -hmm. is such a great, great testament to what an amazing song it is. Yeah. I will throw a production note out. The producer is the same producer of B.B. King, live from Cook County Jail. Ooh, what a solid record. Four different James Gang albums, nine Joe Walsh albums, six Eagles albums, including Hotel California, six Jay Giles Band albums, Bob Seger's Against the Wind, and he worked with Elvin Bishop, Edgar and Johnny Winter, Rick Derringer, Ario Speedwagon, and Santana. This is the man that literally brought Joe Walsh to the Eagles. And this was within like five, six years prior to this recording. Mm -hmm. So I read a review of Face Dances where they said that old Bill stole the soul out of the who. Nah, this is a great record. This is a fantastic album. I don't know that I'd say it's Who's Next. No. But, but they'd it, already done Who's Next. Yeah, it didn't have to be Who's Next. No. It, what it had to be was moving forward, and I feel like that's exactly what they're doing here, especially after Keith Moon, who is arguably one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all time, passes. You replace him. Well, clearly your sound has got to change, too. And you can't bring... You can't have different tools in the toolbox and build the same house. Nor would you want to build the same house. No. As an artist. No. We've already built that house. It's down the street. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Face Dances by The Who. Um, and it also has a bunch of live cuts and alternate takes. Uh, releasing Record Store Day tomorrow, June 12th. Go check it out. Album for the day. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Album for the day, August 12th, as we continue with the return of live music this month. Today, we focus on The Who, live at the Isle of Wight Festival, 1970. This was recorded August 29th of 1970 at East Afton Farm on the Isle of Wight. This is the third different site that they used for the Isle of Wight Festival, and there was a huge stink this year, which was the hugest of all three of those years. <laughs> and so much so that uh, over 600,000 people attended and led Parliament in 1971 to pass the added section to the Isle of Wight County Council Act of 1971, preventing overnight open-air gatherings of more than 5,000 people on the island without a special license from the council. The sound system was inefficient based on the new location. The crosswind blew the sound away from the audience, so they had to supplement their sound system with the Who's PA. Now, they didn't substitute just anybody's stuff in. They used the Who's. I think we all know the reason why. There's a stamp of approval there. That's what I see. <laughs> they said, uh, you freaking guys. You guys are the loudest fucking rock band on the planet right now. We know how you guys roll. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let me see those speakers. So this album, it, it covers a lot of ground in the Who's catalog. Um, and I'm... Uh, you know the who another live album we talked about doing was live at Leeds and I'm the reason that uh J- Johnny kind of twisted my arm on this one a little bit and the further I dug into this album the more I appreciate him doing that because this album is so much more in depth it has better track listings uh the songs they, I think they sound a little better. I, you Even know, better than their performance one year before. Yeah, I mean, they played at the Isle of Wight the year before. Yeah, this is this has this has a lot more tracks. It's a little bit longer. You know, they but, played Tommy on yeah. both. They yeah. played it the year before and they played it again. This time, everyone was more familiar with Tommy. Mm-hmm. It had become a much larger hit by this time. Yeah, yeah. But they uh, they my... started their set at two a.m. Yeah, that's <laughs> too too late for my old bones these days. <laughs> the thing, I, one of the big things that I love about this record and pretty much any live Who album is you get to hear how John Entwistle actually played. You miss that on their studio recordings for the most part. But when he is thumping that bass, you can hear 
the powerhouse that was Keith Moon and John Entwistle's. Uh, I they called John Entwistle the Ox. I mean, it, and and the backbone of this band. Those two, like Keith Moon, kind of goes off on tangents a lot, where he's just like just playing to play. And Entwistle, like you can see his lasso go out and rope him back in with his like brown brown like, and it's he just hangs like, with him. and he hangs, and it's just like wow, like he he he's possibly he's in the top five in my opinion, top five bass players of all time. And I think I, when you make a consideration like that, you have to say rhythm section of all time. Rhythm set, yeah, 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 yeah. because hundred percent. It, the bass player is nothing with a crappy drummer. And the drummer is nothing without a crappy bass player. Yeah. Or with a crappy bass player. There you go. Yeah. And so this this band was clearly at a peak uh, in 1970. They, they hadn't come out with all their greatest hits quite yet, you know? But to draw a parallel back to Leeds, they actually, after they finished Tommy in this show... Mm-hmm. They actually played Summertime Blues first. Mm, Yeah. So you get some of that still back from it. Um, They played a song that I wasn't familiar with, Shaking All Over by Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. Mm -hmm. I looked it up, and uh, Johnny Kidd wore an eye patch, and he was one of the first people. They tried to say he was a predecessor to Alice Cooper. I'm like... He had an I don't. Eye patch. <laughs> I think we're talking about apples and oranges yeah, here, he guys. He didn't uh, literally have a rock opera and cut his head off on stage. Alice Cooper said, "I'll take your eye patch and uh, yeah, raise I'll, you a kiwi. I'll raise you. <laughs> I'll raise you makeup and a complete. Yeah, that's and that's blood. A, yeah, that's yeah, that's um, poor. But in that same um, thing, they also played Twist and Shout, Spoonful by Willie Dixon." Mm-hmm. And they played some of their classics, but I think my favorite stuff was Pete played some new songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, well, Water, I Don't Even Know Myself, and Naked Eye. Mm-hmm. And they were recorded at the time for Lifehouse, which was an upcoming Who project eventually shelved. Yeah. It was another rock opera that was kind of intended as a follow-up to Tommy. If you want to look at uh, some stuff like uh, from the Lifehouse, it's been released on a number of different things. I think Pete released some on uh, the uh, Empty Glass. Empty Glass, yeah. And um, there have just been a number of things. Like he's gone back and reconstructed a number of things over the years. And there was a Lifehouse project that he put out that had all of that stuff. But and it's know. all it's it's good stuff. I mean, I wish Pete would have focused more on the Who than his personal projects. That's a personal opinion, and you know because I love the Who. The Who is uh, quite possibly my favorite rock and roll band of all time. I like Roger's voice better With, than I like Pete's. That, that's exactly you, you're nailing it. And Roger, I I feel like he understood Pete Townsend's lyrics so well that he was able to sing them as if he were Pete Townsend. It's almost an Elton John, Bernie Topping kind of a exactly. symbiosis yeah. there where but 
but together everyone achieves more. Exactly. And the band was so much better than anything Pete or that Pete Townsend could build on his own. You can't get a singer like Roger Daltrey. You can't get a bass player like John Entwistle and Keith Moon. Uh, I mean, when he started, when you know Pete Townsend started doing his own stuff, Keith Moon had pretty much already passed at that point. So you know, that was the face dances, empty glass, Chinese cowboys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think my favorite part, uh, just listening to the actual show and what happened there. Toward the beginning, the crowd's a little restless. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've been waiting on the Who forever, and like I just said, the two show a. started at two a.m. and uh, not too far into it, Pete goes, "Smile, you buggers! <laughs> Pretend it's Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's a good one. That might have been Roger. I don't know. They both have a pretty sassy, wry English wit. Well, they're British. What can you say? Yeah. Well, uh, album for the day today, uh, August the 12th, is uh, The Who, live at the Isle of Wight, 1970. Be sure to give us a like, follow, subscribe, let us know what your favorite albums are. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Ain't no cure for the summertime blue. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Album for the day, December the 30th, as we're wrapping up numbers this month. Today we do The Who with The Who by Numbers. And, you know, there used to be a uh, painting thing where you could paint by numbers. I mm. think that's what the, the title is a play on. Uh-huh. Especially with the album cover, the whole connect the dots kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels good. Album number seven for them. Oh, yeah. Um this was released October the 3rd of 75 in the UK on Polydor, October the 25th of 1975 in the US on MCA Records, uh, produced by Glenn Johns, who also did Who's Next. Mm. And if you're not familiar with that one, we haven't done an episode yet, but Ooh. Who's Next, babe? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the uh, I feel like by numbers, I... I you know, speaking of who's next, that's that's one of that everybody's going to say is probably their favorite. This might be my favorite Who album. There's um, a lot to love here. I, I and one of the reasons. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. I'm certainly not slinging mud at Roger Daltrey. I feel like he is one of the greatest rock and roll singers of all time. Um, but I feel like this is much more of a Pete Townsend record. Well, a lot the, more singing from him, a lot more introspection, a lot more. He just seems more involved in the uh, in the whole thing. It's funny you would bring that up because the song, however much I booze, oh, which yeah. is the second song, yeah, second track, yeah. Um, so Pete wrote that one, obviously, and um, he claimed that he wrote the song on the night that he gave up drinking. 
Um, um, Roger Daltrey actually refused to sing the song uh, because allegedly the song was too personal. Mm. Um, alternatively, people said he didn't want to sing it because he had the drinking, or he wanted everyone to know that Pete had the drinking problem and not, not him. him. <laughs> that seems much more And, and a likely. quote from Pete about his drinking with The Who, which is clearly what the song is about. Yeah. Drinking around The Who is the greatest thing gutter-level life can offer. The bodiness of the humor, the sheer decadence of the amount put away, the incredible emotional release of violent outbursts against innocent hotel room sofas. All these count to get a body through a lot of trouble. But at the end of the orgy, the real cancer still lies untackled deep in the heart. That is a quote from a songwriter right there. Yeah, it is. And a good one at that. Yeah. Yeah, the, a lot of this album has to do with him being... I mean, that fits perfectly. I mean, he's the... And this is so funny because he's 30 years old and he's like an eight. He considered himself an aging rock star. Am I he, still that, relevant? And, and he, he didn't know if he was if he was young enough to play rock and roll anymore. Does he still feel that way 46 years later? Yeah, I know. And contemplating life and all of the things that, you know, need to happen and whatever. And it's like, you know, I, I don't know the the amount of booze and whatever that went into their lives early in their careers astonishing so we're talking about the mid 70s yeah i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb here i'm gonna say that you know the alcoholica days of metallica yeah i'm gonna say that a lot of stuff van halen yeah all of those people all of their drunken outrages and you know shenanigans this is where it started in yeah. the mid seventies, man. We gonna tear stuff up, and I would I'd say it, that all the other bands pale in comparison to what the Who did. Yeah, for um, sure. But the thing I love about this record as well is like they had these like acoustic riffs, and like they had these excellent instrumentations from like banjos and ukuleles and all this. And there's an unsung hero of this album for me, and his name is Nicky Hopkins. He's the guy that plays the keyboards throughout this album, and it it's like the rug in the Big Lebowski. It really ties really this ties album together. together, does it not? It does. It like it it's such a backbone for me. And it's always this thing. It's it's sometimes it's, you're it's so discreet that you're not even sure that it's really there. And then it's like, oh, what is going on? And boom, it's just like Yeah, and it's it's there. Nicky Hopkins played with the Stones, the Kinks, the Who. I mean, Nicky Hopkins is a beast. Um, he also did some work with Neil Young. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a, this is one of those creations. And yeah, I mean, the more stuff was going down in their lives, like it was. I mean, Pete said, the songs were written by me, stoned out of my brain in my yeah. living room, crying my eyes out. Detached from my own work and from the whole project, I felt empty. Whew. Man, if you felt empty, Woo. imagine you filling that vessel, bro. Yeah. And um, and this is a fantastic record. I don't see the... I mean, I, I guess great art comes from great despair. You know, man, like, it's not, it's not an... 
you know, an undone thing where somebody doesn't like their stuff. Like Steely Dan was famously critical of pretty much everything, everything. they ever put out yeah. uh, in public and then at home, you know, check their bank balance and feel <laughs> good about be, it. And be fine. Totally fine with that. Um, Oasis, notoriously, the album after What's the Story, Morning Glory, um, that was, they never play any songs off of that album. They never, ever did following that one tour. Any other time they ever played, never. They were like, we just don't really like that period of our lives. And I'm like, but yeah. you put it out there for everyone well, else. that's what art is. You know, you have to put it out there because that's who you are. And if you skip that moment of your life as an artist, then you're skipping over, you know, a, a, a piece of yourself. And you know? they worked really hard on this yeah. is the thing. And I think that shows through. Yeah. It may have been hard. And allegedly, they actually recorded like every single song Pete brought to the studio because he wasn't really feeling the flow. It's like, squeeze one more out, man. He could put it in the squeeze box, huh? Oh, (laughs) mama's got one of those. (laughs) Daddy never sleeps at night. Um, But he, he kind of, uh, Pete, Pete said about when they were recording it, He said, I felt partly responsible because the Who recording schedule had, as usual, dragged on and on, sweeping all individuals and their needs aside. Glenn Johns worked harder on the Who by numbers than I've ever seen him. He had to, not because the tracks were weak or the music poor, but because the group was so useless. (laughs) We played cricket between takes or went to the pub. I personally had never done that before. I felt detached from my own songs from the whole record. Recording the album seemed to take me nowhere. Roger was angry with the world at the time. Keith seemed as impetuous as ever, on the wagon one minute, off the next. And John Entwistle was obviously gathering strength throughout the whole period. He is the ox. He is the ox. The great thing about it was he seemed to know we were going to need him more than ever before in the coming year. And that's total... I mean, that's easy to say that now. I don't think they thought that at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah the Ox. Ant Whistle. Man, Ant Whistle's song on this album, Success Story, fits so perfectly with everything that Pete Townsend was, is, and what he was going through. It's amazing. And I feel like that, due to that quote, that makes that song so much more relevant to me because Absolutely. of this. Yeah, well, that's, that's Pete that's who, you know, I mean, you can argue back and forth, man. Like, I don't want to get into whether Pete or John is more talented. Pete. It's like... <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just but, kidding. They're both amazing. I mean, they, they far outshine. The man's dead. He can't uh, defend himself. Hey, he would he would say Pete, and Pete would say John. You're you know? right. You are... You know? That nailed it right there. Yeah. That is exactly how that would go yeah. down. Yeah, there's but no that, doubt about but it. But that's Pete, who we're all acknowledging is superior... As a songwriter, and maybe, I mean... But him giving that compliment to John Entwistle in that way, that means so much more. And Entwistle, let's be clear, was the backbone of The Who. He was. Like, without Entwistle, The Who isn't The Who. You guys keep whining and crying. I guess you could say that about any member, though. You know, without Keith Moon... 
Without Roger Daltrey? Yeah, but that's the thing. Without Pete Townsend? No, no, no. No. You, you know? nailed it. And this is one of the greatest rock bands of all the, time because of the individual pieces that add up to the whole. But the backbone and the glue is Entwistle yeah. because, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Keith's out tearing shit up, <laughs> yeah. and Roger's off doing something with his hair, I'm sure. <laughs> and Pete's off writing songs. Meanwhile, John shows up. Like, yeah. Entwistle shows Entwistle up to the studio. He's like, like, I'm here, guys. You ready to crush ready this? Ready to go. You ready to crush this? I'm ready. I'm about to play 16 more bass notes than you ever want to hear so fast it just sounds like one. Dude, that doesn't even sound like a bass. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> He's like a lead guitar player who put a, they put a bass in his hand. See, that's the thing, man. Like, when somebody like King Crimson is like, now nah, you got some talent, dog. <laughs> that's, that's a compliment yeah. right there. They're like, oh, yo, chops, man. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't mutton. Those are woolly mammoth chops. Oh, the old woolly mammoth chops, eh? Mm. Hmm. Well, uh, today's album for the day, uh, December the 30th, uh, is By Numbers by The Who. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at album the number four of the day. Uh, give us a follow, subscribe wherever you listen to us, and feel free to shoot us a request at uh, album the number four of the day at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Cause she's playing all night, and the music's all right. Mama's got a squeeze box, dad, and never sleeps at night. <laughs> I love that. After starting the podcast, you can search for the album, use the three dots, and hit add to cue. Now the album will start as soon as the episode ends. Woohoo!